Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to New Hope Church Online. We're so glad that you're joining us tonight, or whenever you're watching this, we're just so glad that you are a part of this. And right now, we want to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. And you know what's so great is that within all the things that's been happening, you've been continually giving and giving, and it's so great because people's lives are being changed. It's because you partnering with God to reach people far from Him. Now, you know, many of you know that I have five kids. I have three older, kind of older, like my oldest is seven years old, and then I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and then we have our twins that are later on this month going to be one. But I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of my favorite candies is gummy bears. And so my daughter, uh, Brianne, found my stash of gummy bears, and she was like, Daddy, can I have some? And I told her, no, that's mine. Now my youngest, uh, my second youngest daughter, Adrian, who's three, saw the gummy bears and tries to grab it from her sister, Brianne. And then they start arguing. They're like, I want it, no, I want it, no, I want it. And I looked at them and said, stop. It's daddy's gummy bears. Why are you just fighting over daddy's gummy bears? And they looked at me, and with those beautiful eyes and beautiful smiles, they went, daddy, can we have some? So me being a loving dad, of course, I hid it. No, I'm joking. I opened it up, and I gave it to them. And then as I was giving it, I was reminded that, you know, all the things that I have doesn't belong to me. It's what the Father has given to me. But what a joy it is that we take it and give it back to Him so that more and more people can share in what He has for all of us. And as we give it to our tithes and offerings, that's exactly what we're doing. We're giving, every, we're giving what is not actually ours, it's His. He's, God has blessed us with everything that we have. And when we give it back to Him, He takes it so that more and more of His children can know how much they are loved. That they can find faith, hope, and unconditional love that can only come from Him. And many of you have continuously been giving, and we can't tell you guys how many stories we've heard of where people's lives have been changed. People have been saying yes to Jesus. Lives have been changed. Families have been moved. Marriages have been saved because of what God, because of what God is doing and because of your giving and partnering with Him. Now, there's four ways that you can give. We have four ways that you can give. You can give through our New Hope Church app. You can give online. You can mail your checks into our church office at 840 Kupalau. Or you can sign up for through text to, uh, text to Give where you text NHC Give to that number right below and it helps set up a profile so that you can give online. But just know that as we continue to give unto the Lord, He will always, always outgive us. So let's pray. Lord, we come before you right now, Lord, and we thank you so much. That Lord, everything we have is because of you. And so Lord, right now, as we continue in worshiping you through our tithes and offerings, Lord, we do so because, Lord, we're your children. We're your kids. And as we partner with you, Lord, you're going to take it and reach more of your kids that don't know who they are and most of all, who you are for them. And Lord, I pray right now for those who are giving, Lord, let them know that what they're doing right now has eternal rewards because, Lord, you change lives for all of eternity. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We love you. Pray that you bless the hearts of those who give and continue to allow them to see your glory and blessings multiply in other people's lives as well as their own. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen.
Well, if, if you haven't been joining us for Wednesday nights, we've been going through the entire Bible, and we're continuing tonight with one of the hardest but really great books in the Bible. Because the truth is, nobody likes to lament. But there's a reason for that. And so we're going to continue in going through the Bible by taking a look at the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations. It's a unique book in the Old Testament that contains five poems from an anonymous author who survived and is now reflecting back on the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem and the destruction and the exile that followed. Remember the whole story from the book of Second Kings. The fall of Jerusalem and the exile was the most horrendous catastrophe in Israel's history up to this point. So remember, God had promised Abraham the land. He'd given David victory to make Jerusalem Israel's capital. And from David came the royal line of kings. You had God's presence there in the temple, and that's where the priests maintained the rituals of Israel's worship. And after 500 years of all of this history, in the summer of 587 BC, the city fell to Babylon. It was all decimated and gone. And so the Book of Lamentations is a memorial to the pain and confusion of the Israelites that followed this destruction. Now, the lament poems found here are not unique in the Bible. There's lots of them in the Book of Psalms. And these biblical poems of lament, they do a number of things. They're a form of protest. They're a way of drawing everybody's attention, including God's attention, to the horrible things that happen in this world that should not be tolerated. They're a way of processing emotion. So in these poems, God's people vent their anger and dismay at the ruin caused by people's sin and selfishness. And these poems are a place to voice confusion. Suffering makes us ask questions about God's character and promises, and none of this is looked down on in the Bible. Just the opposite. These poems of lament give a sacred dignity to human suffering. And so these human words of grief that are addressed to God have now become part of God's word to his people. The design of these five poems is very intentional. It's part of the book's message. So chapters 1 through 4 are called acrostics, which means alphabet poems. Each poetic verse begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is made up of 22 letters. Now, this very ordered and linear structure, it's in stark contrast to the disorder of the pain and the confused grief that's explored in these poems. So it's like Israel's suffering is explored A to Z and is trying to express something that is inexpressible. Chapters 1 and 2 each have one verse per letter, giving them a really similar design, but the themes are very different. So chapter 1 focuses on the grief and shame of a figure called Lady Zion. The poet personifies the city of Jerusalem as a widow, also called the daughter of Zion. And she sits alone. She's bereaved of her loved ones, devastated. No one comes to comfort her. It's a very powerful metaphor. And then Lady Zion speaks. She calls on the Lord to notice her fate. And through this image, the poet, he's showing that the city's destruction brought a level of psychological trauma on the Israelites that can only be expressed as the experience of a funeral and the death of a loved one. Chapter 2 focuses on the fall of Jerusalem and how it was a consequence of Israel's sin and was brought about by God's wrath, which is a key word in this poem. Now, it's important to remember that in the Bible, God's wrath is not spontaneous, volatile anger. The biblical poets and prophets, they use this word to talk about God's justice. 
So Israel had entered a covenant agreement with God, and for centuries they've been violating it by worshiping other gods, perpetrating injustice, oppressing the poor. And so, yes, God is slow to anger, but he eventually does get angry at human evil, and he will bring his just anger in the form of punishment. In the case of Jerusalem, this involved allowing Babylon to come and conquer the city. And so this poem is acknowledging that God's wrath is justified, but this doesn't keep the poet from lamenting and asking God to show compassion once again. Chapter 3 breaks this design pattern by having three verses per letter, so it's the longest poem in the book. And the voice is that of a lonely man speaking out of his suffering and grief as a representative of the whole people. And what's interesting is that this chapter is full of language that's drawn from other parts of the Old Testament, from the laments of Job and from other important lament psalms, and even from the suffering servant poems in Isaiah. And the poet sees his hardship as a form of God's justice, like chapter 2 said. But, paradoxically, this is what gives the poet hope. And it leads him to offer the only hopeful words in the whole book. Because of the Lord's covenant faithfulness, we do not perish. His mercies never fail. They're new every morning. How great is your faithfulness, O God. So I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will put my hope so the poet reasons, if God is consistent enough to bring his justice on human evil, then he'll also be consistent with his covenant promise to not allow evil to get the final word. And so for this poet, God's judgment is the seedbed of hope for the future. Chapter 4 goes back to the same alphabet structure as chapters 1 and 2, and it's a vivid and disturbing depiction of the two-year siege in Jerusalem. And it contrasts how things used to be in Jerusalem of the past and how terrible they became in the siege. So children used to laugh and play in the streets, but now they beg for food. The wealthy used to eat lavish meals, but now they eat whatever they can find in the dirt. And the royal leaders used to be full of splendor, but now they're famished and dirty and unrecognizable. And the anointed king from the line of David has been captured and dragged away. So the poem's power comes from the shock of these contrasts, and it's exploring the depth of the suffering that Israel brought on itself. Now the final poem is unique because it breaks the design pattern. It's the same length as all of the other alphabet poems, but the alphabet order is gone. It's like the poet can't hold it together anymore and his grief has exploded back into chaos. The poem is a communal prayer for God's mercy. Israel begs God not to ignore their suffering or abandon them. And the poem offers a long list of all of the different kinds of people who were devastated by the fall of the city. They ask God not to forget these people, and they lament on behalf of others, giving voice to their pain. Suffering in silence is just not a virtue in this book. God's people are not asked to deny their emotions, but voice their protest to vent their feelings and pour it all out before God. The book ends with something of a paradox. The poet acknowledges that God is the eternal king of the world, but also that Israel's circumstances make them feel like God is nowhere to be found. And so the final words of the book leave this tension totally unresolved. It asks, unless you've totally rejected us, and the book ends. The poet doesn't offer a nice, neat conclusion, much like our own experiences of pain and suffering. The story of the Bible doesn't end here, but this very important book shows us how lament and prayer and grief are a crucial part of the journey of faith of God's people in a broken world. And that's what the book of Lamentations is all about.
There's a lot in the book of Lamentations, and if you think of the word Lamentations, it's really the word that means to lament. And when you, when you lament, you're crying out. There's, a, there's something that you're going through. Uh, there are a lot of emotions that are being uh, expressed. So I'm sure in this season, some of us have been lamenting. Some of us have been malent, uh, mal- lamenting since day one when our children were home with us or our spouse was working from home. We started lamenting from day one. And now we're on month four So we're like, we're done lamenting. Is there something else after lamenting? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. And that's why tonight's title is all about God's promises in the midst of pain. We're all going to go through pain. We all have pain in our lives. I know some of you are thinking, I do have pain in my lives. We were married for about so many years. (laughs) Joke. I'm just joking with the married people. It kind of ushers away the, the, the people that are single. They're like, see, that's why I don't want to get married. You guys always joke around that marriage is tough. But marriage is a good thing. You just have to make it that way. When we look at Lamentations and the entire book of Lamentations, as we saw in the video, it is broken up by five parts. And it is a poetic lament. Uh, lament. And that's what we're going to look at tonight in, in how we can take God's word, especially in a book like this, apply it into our lives and, and let it be useful for everyday use. By the way, I, I said this earlier that because we're getting ready to, uh, we're, we're learning how to regather, that we do have some of our staff here, some of our volunteers here. So you're going to see me addressing some people here, but I'll also be addressing you wherever you are so don't get thrown off if i'm looking elsewhere we do have some people here because we're practicing how we're going to regather we don't have a date yet but we will have one soon we'll keep you posted on that so book of lamentations if you do have your bibles open up to the book of lamentations if not we have the notes on our church online website and you're going to see a place that says notes you can click that and that will come up and the best way to experience church online is through a desktop computer or a laptop you can use your ipad uh, but it doesn't have all it should have all the features it just operates differently uh, but you can still follow along if you're on youtube we welcome you as well as facebook thank you guys for jumping on but you can still take notes as i say these things and the notes pop up uh, if you're not on our uh, church online but i wanted to just give a, a brief Reason why we're journeying through the Bible together because this is the series that we're in. And if you've been with us, you know that we've been going through the Bible. Or if you've been, well, you haven't been here, but if you've been watching online, we're, we're going through the entire Bible this year. And here, here are the reasons why we're journeying through the Bible. The first thing is to fall in love with God's Word. That's, that's why we're going through the Bible. Uh, it, it's hard to fall in love with the Word of God if we don't open it up. So we need to open up the Word of God. So that's why we're journeying through the Bible. Uh, The second thing is to bring clarity to our lives. There's nothing more clear for our lives than the Word of God. And even though you may not understand everything about the Word of God, when He speaks to us through His Word, everything becomes clear. We're we're able to do something with it in our lives, which is the third thing. We want to do something with it. We don't just read the Word of God so that we can see what other people should do or uh, what will happen in the end times. 
or what went on in history. We read the Bible so that we can put it into action, so that we can be the lights into the world, so that as we leave this premises or wherever you are, wherever you may go, that we can reach out to people, our very own families, our, our children, our loved ones. But those are the reasons why we're journeying through the Bible. And tonight, as we talk about promise in the midst of pain, I think we all can understand pain. But there's one type of pain that men will never understand ever in our entire life. And women know exactly what it is. And you guys even use this as, as like the nuclear bomb in any argument. It is, the, it is the pain of childbirth. You even knew what I was going to say. I thought some people were going to say, oh, the pain of married to you. That's different. There's some, see, there I go again with marriage, but that's, that's usually the, the, the one argument we just have nothing against. But it is true. Childbirth, worst pain. But in the midst of pain, there's a promise of a beautiful child. In the midst of that pain. And here comes a wonderful child. Now, when they turn into teenagers, eh, I don't know what happens at that point, but there's still God's promises in there that we raise them up in the way that they should go. And as they get older, they will not depart from it. I was, uh, it was some time ago when my uh, grandson, Jaden, was sleeping over, and he's 10 years old. And we woke up in the morning, and I think this was before quarantine and COVID and all of that, but he was, oh, he must have been because he was coughing. And if he was coughing in my house, I'd be like, bro, you got to go home. But he was coughing and coughing, and it was in the morning, and I'm thinking, are you okay? He said, I don't know, I'm just not feeling good. I said, so... But you weren't coughing last night. Was it something this morning? Maybe allergies. So you just kept coughing. And so I went to our cabinet, and someone gave us um, honey from Kau. Now, if you're not from the island of Hawaii, then you need to look up Kau honey, uh, K-A-Okina-U. So I, I had this, and some friends gave us uh, honey. So I took a teaspoon of that, and I said, Jaden, come here. Take this. And he goes, what is that? I said, don't worry, it's going to be good. <laughs> so he opened his mouth. I gave him honey, and he had the worst expression. He takes it, he's like, Rah! and he almost threw up. He almost threw up, and, and he said, what is that, Papa? I said, that's honey. And he goes, oh, that's so gross. Now, I had to remember, I love honey. I'm not sure if he ever ate honey in that much, you know, in, in one lump sum like that. But he, and he didn't know what it was. Have you ever bit into something you didn't know what it was and then it didn't have that flavor so he's thrown off till this day he does not like honey which bless my soul because now i can have the whole bottle to myself that wasn't the reason though here's the good news he wasn't coughing after that he's complaining to me and saying papa that's the worst thing it's so gross i want to drink water i want i said no no you got to let it settle in just got to let it settle in. This is all natural, Jordan. You, didn't, you don't need medicine right now. Just take some honey. So he waited for a little while, and, and he felt a little bit better uh, that the honey was, you know, the taste was gone. And as he kept complaining, I asked him one question. I said, Jaden, just answer me one thing. He goes, yes, Papa, what is it? I said, are you coughing anymore? <laughs> and he said, no. I said, see, don't you feel better? Would you rather cough or not cough and take honey? And of course, he's like, I'd rather cough. <laughs> I don't want honey anymore. <laughs> but I looked at that even, even in the midst of something that 
didn't feel good at the moment, the, the, the flavor of honey having to swallow that. Like we're, we're, it's almost like we're going to suffer on one side or the other. Am I, gonna, am I going to see God's promises in the midst of pain where Jaden had to go through something painful with the hope that he would never cough after that, that he would feel better? Or do you just stay with the sickness and continue to deal with that? It's almost like one side or the, or the other we're going to suffer. Either we're going to suffer according to the will of God or we're just going to suffer in life. The book of Lamentations gives us that hope of God's promises, of, of what he's accomplishing. You know, when we think of the book of Lamentations, it may not be the most popular book in the Bible, but it is definitely an essential ingredient for helping us to understand an important aspect of our relationship with God, which is the ability to express our grief, frustrations, and distress, and even the pain that we go through. And what the book of Lamentations does is it, it gives that, that poetic feeling to recount the tragic fall of Jerusalem to Babylon, a, 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 a chosen people that God chose them to represent him in the world, and then they're taken captive. And now they're lamenting because of it. They had all the promises of God ready for them, but then all of a sudden they're taken captive. I can see why they would express their grief and emotions. They weren't in the promised land anymore. But just because they weren't in the promised land didn't mean they were no longer in his promises. And even though we go through what we go through, it may seem like, are we even anywhere in God's promise? Are we still living according to his ways? You know, when we were watching that video, there were three words that popped up, protest, process, and place which they talked about protesting and, and some of what these people are doing. In fact, Jeremiah is writing the book of Lamentations. It's, it's said that he is the author. And as he's writing this, he's known as the weeping prophet, that he's expressing what is happening and, and what he's witnessing. And there's a little bit of protest because what protest does is it draws attention to the issues. Now, we're, we're in the middle of protesting in our nation, and some of the protest has, has, has gone away from the actual issue of where it began, and not because of a one person's fault. Normally, it's because people keep attaching on to it, and then they have their own agenda within the issue itself, and the issue itself never gets resolved because there are other people with their own agendas using others and the protesting, the peaceful protesters, to carry out their own. What Jeremiah does is he sticks to the promise of God. That although he's going to protest, although he's going to come to God and bring up some issues, he's also going to go through the process. That he, they're going to vent their anger. They're going to vent their frustrations. But he's doing it in a healthy way. He's processing it in the presence of God, which is the place that they're doing this. It's all in his presence. See, suffering makes us ask questions about God's character and his promises. And God's okay with that. God's okay with us lamenting to him. That's why we have an, an entire book dedicated to lamenting pain and confusion will come into our lives every single day but restoration can be found through lamenting we're, we're all going to lament we're all going to go through that, those processes our children will go through that and parents of adult children we see that happening throughout their life they'll, they'll come home at an early age and they'll have to process and lament losing a, a friend in school to someone else that so and so doesn't want to play with me anymore or as they get older there's a, a horrible breakup and so we see that happening even with our own children that they begin to lament. But God can bring order even though we lament. 
He can bring order from, from pain and disorder, confusion and grief. If you read the beginning of the Bible, that's what happened when God first created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. But then God said, let there be light. And he kept speaking out life. And he created. And we see out of chaos comes order. God is a God of order, and he's able to do that. We're all going to experience some type of psychological drama, uh, uh, even trauma, that will hinder our walk with God himself. It may even hinder some of the dreams that God has put in our hearts or even the promises that he has. But it doesn't change who God is. We can still process it with God in his presence. Sometimes we express it in unhealthy ways. Some of the unhealthy ways we express our pain and grief or even psychological trauma is rage or anger or sometimes violence. We see that happening all over the world. Or we condemn others who, don't dis- who, who disagree with us. In fact, we're in a culture right now that if you disagree with certain people, they just cut you off. And they won't, they, like there's no, there's no discussion anymore. There's no collaboration. It's if you don't agree with us, then you're, you're done. And, there's, and they'll just cut you off. But do we condemn others? That's unhealthy. Or we revert to crime or alcoholism or abuse or even lying or stealing or cheating doing drugs or or putting others down because we don't know how to process all the pain that we're going through. So we do it in unhealthy ways. You know, the Bible says, and this is not in your notes, but Galatians 5.22 gives us a healthy way to process. And many of us know what it is. It's the fruit of the Spirit. We process it in a healthy way, which is through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we all practiced healthy ways of processing our emotions, our world would look completely different. This is how God wired us up as believers. If what I'm doing is not being processed through the fruit of the Spirit, then I have to go back to asking God, am I lamenting? Am I processing? Am I expressing expressing my emotions through a healthy way? On Sunday, I talked about disciple someone. You know, we were talking about uh, us investing in other people and and discipling someone. And that one, uh, the word one in someone is capitalized because we want to remind each other that that's probably the best way to disciple. It's one-on-one. And we talked about there's a a key root for, for us when we disciple, that it's all about a personal connection with God. How we get there, there are so many different tools. Of course, there's the Bible. Uh, there, there is things like this that we can get into the Word of God together, attend church like this. There are so many different ways, but it'll all come back to the Word of God so that we start telling stories about how God has been speaking to us. That's a form of our relationship or a fruit of our relationship with God or, or understanding the big picture that we are able to, to communicate the full gospel of Jesus Christ we're able to change from the inside out. And when we look in the mirror, we don't recognize ourselves because we're different. We're different from the inside out. And that we've developed a heart for the lost. We're praying for people. We're, we're connecting with those that are far from God. Why? Because we want to help them draw closer to Him. And we're able to tell people who we're praying about and who we're praying for, who we're reaching out to, that we come to a place of a whole surrender to God that we're not, we're not giving God 70% of our life or only 50 or, or well, I, I want to believe in you, Jesus, but can I, can I still do these things? 
I know it's not pleasing to you, but can I, can I kind of halfway, when we're being discipled, the evidence of our surrender to Jesus is that we declare Jesus as Lord and Savior in every area of our lives, and nothing is off limits to God. He can be in every area of our lives, but it takes our processing in the right way, in a healthy way. That's why Lamentations, if you think of the book, it's, it's named that way for a specific reason. We're an emotional-driven people. I mean, we can go from zero to 90 with anger that fast. And we all have our, 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 our buttons, right? Certain things will anger us. For some people, if you wake up in the morning and there are dishes in the sink, oh, that just sets you off. You come home, there are all, those, all the shoes and slippers in the front and it's not put away, that sets you off. Or you get into your car, your gas gauge is on E, that sets you off. Or the bed is not made, or, or someone didn't put the toilet seat the correct way. <laughs> it just sets us off. There are certain things that just, it, it sets us off. And then there may be times where we're crying out to God, and the sad thing is, no one comes to comfort you. That's what it says in Lamentations 1 verse 2. And speaking of, of lamenting as, as Jerusalem lamenting, it's almost like a, a funeral is happening, happening for the, the city of Jerusalem that she sobs through the night. Tears stream down her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her and become her enemies. It's like there, you may come to a season and you feel like there's no one. No one's around. All my, all my friends left me. They deserted me. They said they would be there for me. They said that they would always have my back, but they betrayed me. And there's no one around. And so what we do is we, we now, we, we isolate ourselves and therefore we just suffer in silence. S suffering in silence is never a good option. It's very unhealthy. But it's, it's also healthy to suffer through whatever pain it is in a healthy way. Just not in silence there needs to be a way for us to process our emotions sometimes we i'm going to use marriage again because sometimes even in marriage we call it the silent treatment the silent treatment the silent treatment is basically you get into some type of argument and sometimes i'll just speak for myself as a husband as a man sometimes i'm oblivious to what just happened and the next thing i know there's tension and then Heidi's not, Heidi's my wife. She's not talking. Or when I ask her a question, it's very short answer. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever, go. It's just real short. And this is years ago, decades ago. <laughs> this is a long time ago. Never happens anymore. So that silent treatment, it, it causes a lot of tension. Only when you talk things out does God come in and able to work things out. But that, silent, that silence and suffering in silence, it just it doesn't work. We, we, we're going to lament. We're going to pray to God. We're going to process it with Him. Because prayer and grief, I'm sorry to say, as a believer, are a part of our faith. It's a part of it. You know, when we think about God's wrath, you know, the Bible talks about His wrath, but it, it also means His judgment. Because God's wrath is also just. So he's a just God. So when his wrath comes, sometimes we think, wow, he's doing this in anger. No, no, no. God is a God of, who is slow to anger. 
And he even says that for us, be slow to anger. Being slow to anger doesn't mean we won't get angry. It just means it, take, it should take us a while to get there. So when it comes to lamenting, lamenting helps us process even in our anger. That we're frustrated, we want to take it all on someone, lament with God. Just lament with God. Talk with Him. And His justice will come. But He'll also help us in our anger because we're dealing with all of these emotions. In Lamentations chapter 2, verses 8 and 11, it tells us that the Lord was determined to destroy the walls of beautiful Jerusalem. He made careful plans for their destruction, then did what He had planned. Therefore, the ramparts and walls have fallen down before Him. I have cried until the tears no longer come. Have you ever just cried yourself to sleep over and over? And then after a while, you just have no more tears to cry. It continues, my heart is broken. My spirit is poured out in agony as I see the desperate plight of my people. Little children and tiny babies are fainting and dying in the streets. This is the heart of God. The heart of God watches all of this. So by the time God's wrath comes or his justice is served, by the time that happens, there were a whole lot of warnings and, and God's love and compassion being given to say, turn from your ways, turn from your sin, turn to me. I want to love you back, so love me. There, there, there are a lot of those moments before God's wrath comes. Sometimes people look at that and just look at God's wrath or his judgment or the end result and say, what kind of God is that? But never look at the entire track record of God. You have to look at everything about God because he is consistent. That's why right in the middle of this five-chapter book of Lamentations, Jeremiah writes this, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 24. He says, this I recall to my mind. It's like, I got to search. I got to go through the library of my mind. I, I, I got it. I recall this in my mind. Therefore, I have hope. It's through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I put my hope in him. This is like the, 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 uh, this is like the lamenter's creed that anytime we're in a, in a season of lamenting or going through a, some type of emotional breakdown or emotional difficulty or, or even a season like this where we're having a hard time Go to that prayer, that thought, that statement, that promise. That I got to recall this in my mind. Therefore, I, I do have hope. I remember it's through the Lord's mercies that I'm not consumed. It's through the Lord's mercies that, I'm, that my life isn't over. I'm not giving up because his compassions fail not. His compassions never give up on me. They're new every single morning. In other words, if you ever feel like God's compassion expired on you just wait to the morning because it's renewed once again his compassions fail not there are new every single morning why because he's faithful he's consistent if if he brings justice on the evil in the world and and what is happening with with human evil if he if he's just and brings justice on human evil then he will be faithful of his promise that evil will never have the last say. Death will never have its last word when it comes to God. Evil will never 
have a hand up over God. We will always have a past in our lives. We will always have a, a past that tries to tear us down, our past mistakes or whatever we've done, our sins, but that's not where our help or healing will come from. We can always look forward to the promises of God, not backwards. We can learn from our past. We can learn from our history, but that's not where we're heading. We always drive looking through the windshield, not at the rearview mirror. If you do, you will eventually crash, even though you're moving forward because you're looking behind. We always move forward. Lamentations chapter 4, verse 17 tells us that we looked in vain for our allies to come and save us, but we were looking to nations that could not help us. In other words, sometimes we're looking in other places. We're looking for something to save us, something, some, some type of, of okay from someone or, or even a movement or, or something that would make us feel better. Or sometimes we turn to a career, a person, a belief system. We even look for, for, for different uh, nations or, or help from our, our own culture. And even in our culture today, people are looking for nations that cannot help. Nations are a group of people. That's, that's what it means. It's a group of people. So sometimes we look for a group of people for help. Knowing that even in that, it's only going to go so far. Now, what the Bible doesn't say and, and is not saying, or even in the book of Lamentations, is not to rely on one another. But what it is saying is, if we think that people are going to save us, then we already set ourselves up to lament. But if we say, wait a minute, God, you... In fact, Lamentations five nineteen through 22 says, but Lord... You remain the same forever. You remain the same forever. Your throne continues from generation to generation. And then it goes into some, some questions. I'm not sure if it's rhetorical or if it's just, you know, through the lamenting process. And this is how Lamentations ends. It says, why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us for so long? Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Or have you utterly rejected us? Are you still angry with us? And then it ends. You know, we, we here in our day and age, in the year 2020, we have the blessing of being able to see the answer to the question that lay unanswered at the time of this being written, which was almost 600 years before Jesus came. And so even though Jeremiah might be asking, are you still angry with us? have you utterly rejected us we know this that in the book of romans chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 it tells us this and i'm, I'm going to close with this so uh, jamie you can come to the keyboard but god demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath of god through him it will always be through Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus also wept for Jerusalem. If you look in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, verses 37 and 38, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He understood the pain that they were going through. Listen, Jesus understands our pain. He understands what we go through. The fall of Jerusalem 
which is what was happening at that time, and their exile was a horrible part of Jewish history, horrible part of their history. But they never used those events to define them. That wasn't who they were, even though they were in exile. You know what God said to them? Build your homes, plant your vineyards. You're going to be here for a while. It's not the best season. It's not the best situation. Yeah, you're being ruled by someone else, but in your heart of hearts, I am your God. And so I can still bless you, even in a land of being exiled. You and I have made some mistakes. Many of us have a horrible past. And, and even though we all have them, even though we all have a, a past, we've made some mistakes and even some sin, let's not use that to define our entire life. You and I can still find God's promises even in the midst of pain. It's all because of his faithfulness. His compassions fail not. They are new every single morning. Tomorrow morning when we wake up, can that be our prayer? First thing in the morning. In fact, tonight you can write it somewhere. You can put a reminder on your phone that whatever time you're going to get up, it just pops up. You can copy and paste this scripture the, of Lamentations 3.23 or 21 through 24. You can, you can use the whole entire scripture. But that's what we want to do. We want to wake up in the morning praying that prayer. We're seeing in our nation today people trying to have a promised future but keep perpetuating the past. Yes, we're going to see all that is happening around our nation. We're, we're going to protest. We, we live in a country that allows us to peaceably assemble. And sometimes it's a part of the process. But as a believer... If we're ever going to lament, let's start with lamenting in the presence of our God. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that even though we, we all have a past, we, we've made some mistakes if we're ever going to process anything, any, anything emotional, Lord, we want to process it with you. We want to do it the right way. We want to make sure that we're in the right place in your presence so that we can hear your voice clearly. And some of us may be in a difficult place right now. Lord, I pray for all of those who are in a tough place right now and are struggling emotionally. Maybe there are, there are some things that are happening in their life right now whether it's through this time of, of, of this national pandemic, it could be uh, the loss of a loved one during this time, it, it could be uh, a marriage is not going well, a family is falling apart, child to parent, parent to child, it's not going well, job loss, finances are tight. Some people may be in, that, in all of those categories. Lord, we, we lament to you tonight. We cry out to you. We ask for your spirit your compassion, your love, that you would restore our joy once again. That's our prayer tonight. We look forward to your compassions that are new every single morning because of your faithfulness. 
We turn our hearts to you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And we all said together, amen.